welcome to our second episode of Small Talk, Small Government. Bill and Deb here. Hello. Hello. Well, and, and as we said, it's the second episode on this subject. We kind of want to move on from it, but uh, the more we get together and talk about it and dig into things and compartmentalize the topic, the more it seems like we could have several of these. But we'll, we'll try to keep this one concise and to a particular point. We're going to try and uh, do a little bit more talk about the mandates since there's been some, uh, some movement and change there. And we're going to dig into the origins. So uh, do, would you like to give the disclaimer? Oh, yes. We have to give the Tim Pool disclaimer since we're talking about COVID here. We're not doctors. We're not advocating for any kind of particular treatment. Talk to your doctor and do what's best for you. So that should keep everybody happy, including Daniel Eck, uh, president of Spotify, <laughs> since we are on Spotify these days. Okay. After we got together, the very next day after we sat down and made the first episode for COVID was the big rally in D.C. where they were talking about, um, you know, coming out against the mandate mandates and... It, it it feels kind of good to me that we're embarking on this project at this time because it seems like every time we come up with a subject that we want to discuss, all of a sudden it blows up in, in the media and it seems like, oh, okay, great. Big sources are talking about this same kind of stuff now, which makes me hope that our friends are listening to it also. You know, um, because it seems like at this point it's getting to be pretty undeniable. Right. Um, I I was listening to um, a a particular podcast on the way up here and David Horowitz was on and he was talking about um, the fact that we we can't just let this go, even though we all want to get on with our lives. We can't let it go that the media is not going to be responsible for things, that the healthcare industry is not going to be responsible, Mm -hmm. big pharma, all these people that have been in charge of the task forces and, um, you know, um, uh, giving us our our public information and all that. Um, Because he was saying that it's almost like it does seem like it's coming out in mainstream media, but they're downplaying it almost like shoving it off to the side. And, you know, so we, we can't let that happen. But I do want to say one thing about what I learned during that rally. The group of people, it was a massive crowd. Everybody was on the same page. And it, it was showing that, you know, you can come together on these kinds of things and that, yeah, we should be seeing that there is some enemy. But anyway, one of the doctors uh, mentioned some of the details behind the Pfizer's study that did get the FDA approval. And he was saying that actually there was um, a pretty bad effect of of mortality rate after the vaccines during that study, but mm. that part wasn't really um, played up or published or discussed in the approval. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought, well, let me go back to my book that I've been reading, which again is the the real Anthony Fauci book. That's uh, by, uh, that's the... Uh, this is the Robert. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. book. So I wanted to, I did find it in the book here. So I wanted to just uh, read it just, you know, for our awareness of, we're told to believe that, well, the FDA approved it. So just take it and you're going to be, you know, just do it. Says here... The final summary of the Pfizer's six-month clinical trial data, the document that Pfizer submitted to the FDA to win approval, revealed one key data point that should have killed that intervention forever. Far more people died in the vaccine group than in the placebo group during Pfizer's clinical trials. 
The fact that FDA nevertheless granted Pfizer full approval and that the medical community embraced and prescribed this intervention for their patients is eloquent testimony to the resilience of even the most deadly and ineffectious products and the breathtaking power of the pharmaceutical industry and its government allies to control the narrative through captive regulators, compliant physicians, and media manipulation, and to overwhelm the fundamental common sense of much of humanity. Well, that doesn't sound very good. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty dense paragraph, yeah. too. <laughs> There's a lot of information in there. Yeah, yeah. and, and this, is, this is where we get into, like we talked about last time, you know, you had, you had tens of thousands of doctors that were signing up to say, uh, you know, uh, a, a strict across-the-board vaccines for everybody approach really isn't the appropriate thing. Why don't mm-hmm. we do some more studies? Why don't we do some small control groups? You know, let's let's talk about what does work, some real treatments. And so, and that was just hushed, hushed off, off the table. But anyhow, um, you know, getting back into, uh, you know, the mandates, the lockdowns, the vaccines, all of that stuff. I'm happy to see that the Johns Hopkins study came out this week to show that there really was very little actual impact on mortality by enforcing those kinds of mandates. Yeah, I think we we kind of had that suspicion for the past couple of years, but uh, now the data's come out. Thank thank God. And and you said that now the data is out, and I hope that more data will come out again, that this won't be just like brushed off to the side. Yeah, sorry about that two years of your life that we completely disrupted. Yeah, wasn't it, um, didn't they say, what, 0.2% um, improvement in mortality? Mm-hmm. And, and I heard somebody say that, that was even within the margin of error, so it's basically... Nothing. Basically nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We went through all that. Why yeah. did we go through that? And and in that same vein, you uh, turned me on to the USMortality.com uh, right. source. And we talked about ex- excess deaths a little bit yesterday, uh, last time we, we met. And so looking into that, it made me focus specifically on the difference between states and how they handled this over the last couple of years. And, you know, you recall that our president himself came out and said, you know, these governors need to get out of the way. If you're not going to do what's right for everybody, then, you know, get out of the way. And he's trying to force all of this stuff from the federal level and everything. And just we all remember how much uh, slander and all the crap that Ron DeSantis had to take on in Florida but nobody said anything about Cuomo shoving sick nursing home patients back into nursing homes and all of that. Same thing happened in Michigan. Right, right. You know, I mean, and they're, you know, they, they, of course, I digress, but, you know, the whole Cuomo thing, let's, let's get him to resign, but it's going to be all about the sex scandal. It has nothing to do with the, you know, thousands and thousands of, of deaths that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, it, it just right, sickens right, me. Right. But um, so anyway... So here, you know, we're, we're demonizing Florida, acting like Ron DeSantis is just killing his people and throwing them into the ocean or something. And um, I, I wanted to point out that that U.S. mortality site indicates that um, they, they did a study showing the difference between 12 very open and least vaccinated states compared to 12 very closed and highly vaccinated states, mm-hmm. the less vaccinated and more open states had 
excess death excess deaths of 14%, mm-hmm. whereas the very locked down states and highly vaccinated were at 13%. Interesting. And yeah. that kind of corresponds to the uh, to the Johns Hopkins thing where it's basically nothing. Basically nothing, yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so again, you know, the the point that we're trying to make here is that when you dig into the numbers, this is not something worth dividing the people over. It's not something that is worth taking our liberties, and it's not something that you should find worth giving up your liberty and freedom for. So, um and, Absolutely. You know, and I think that it's 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 striking. We've been talking about the, the 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 worry, even presented with this kind of evidence. There are some people who still want to hold on to this, and 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 still the way the industry is still forcing ever more of this on uh, us. Yes. Like. I, all the time, you keep hearing ads on the radio and seeing them on TV that you need to be vaccinated, you need this, you need that. But Why? And I mean, especially, it just, it makes me so sad and concerned now with the way they're not letting go of it for the children. It just isn't, I can't see a, a path to make this right. I just, I can't see any reason for it. I think it's really detrimental and and. And hurtful in the long run, and and you're not going to know that. You know, yeah. you're not going to know that until until you know. And it seems like they're even doubling down on it because now the pharmaceutical companies want to get a vaccine for six month to five year olds now. Yeah. And so they're they're not they're not letting go, but they're doubling down on 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 the vaccine mandates yeah. for the for the kids. Yeah, and and you know I I'll say something real quick about what's going on in Virginia. Because it was so encouraging to so many parents there that were excited that the governor was going to come in and help them defend themselves and their families against this, you know, crazy overreach and the the damage it's doing to the kids and everything. And unfortunately, that's being fought. Of course, it's being fought in the bluest areas of the state. And, you know, you can't understand why this would be. I mean, I I know how, you know, there's the one hand that you, you think they just... They just don't want to admit, oh, maybe I was wrong. But I don't know that it's that it's the lack of um, willingness to admit you were wrong, like an ego, as much mm-hmm. as it is. They want this power so bad. I, I can't see any other any, any other reason for it. And I mean, it's it's almost like forcing a bunch of little kids to just sit down, do as they're told you know, tell their parents, don't think anything of it. You know, don't don't let yourself get sucked into those right wing maniacs or anything. I mean, this is the data suggests that this is not right to do to our children. And mm-hmm. and to that point, I think you mentioned the um, and I, I don't think we talked about it on the last episode when the, the speech issues that kids are now coming up right. with. They're talking about kids that are drawing pictures of themselves and they only have eyes you know, yeah, isn't that isn't that ridiculous? It's a little unnatural, I would think, yeah. for, for kids to have to go through. And I, I and all for all for having some extra power. It sounds like yeah. And and I'll point this one last thing out in the book, and then maybe we'll be able to to move on um, to to talk a little bit more about the origins because the mandates. You could just go on and on and on forever. It's it's not ending anytime soon. It seems like they're going to be keep people that keep wanting to hold on to this. Um, and, you know, we, we see it happening around the world. I was really happy to see that the UK lifted theirs completely. Why we won't do that here, I don't know. I guess it's a power thing. And, and you know, that's... Here is another fact 
that in the U.S., COVID vaccines kind of really caused some record deaths. And that is here in this book. And again, we'll cite this. But um, we say here that despite the efforts that the CDC has made to hide the carnage in like the VAERS system, for instance, for instance, that they, they claim the VAERS system data just isn't reliable. Mm-hmm. Well, either make it reliable or tell me what is reliable. Yeah, because it, that, that doesn't work for me. But they mentioned that in 1976, regulators pulled the swine flu vaccine after it was linked to 25 deaths. 25. Out of of, uh, probably a ton of doses that were given. Right. And so in contrast between December 14th, 2020 and October 1st, 2021, American doctors and bereaved families have reported more than 16,000 deaths and a total of almost 780,000 injuries to the VAERS system following COVID vaccination. The European surveillance sites tallied 40,000 deaths and 2.2 million adverse reactions. Well, that doesn't sound good either. Yeah. And I'm just saying that if, if this is true and it seems that it is, then how can they in good conscience keep pushing this product to us, keep wanting to make it mandatory, mm-hmm. dividing the people over it, and all of these things. And again, it comes back to the fear element for me. Um, and and I'll, I'll mention this, and then I think we can probably move on. I was listening to David Horowitz on a, a Charlie Kirk podcast just on the way over here, and he was mentioning the the importance when you're doing this kind of power grab of keeping the fear up. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that when you look at you know the, the difference in, in, in sides or, or political ideology or whatever— um, this has been the thing that reaches across both sides. And of course, you're going to be afraid because yeah, yeah. you want to, you know, you want to trust these experts that are telling you to be afraid. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to, you know, okay, yeah, I guess I'll be afraid and do what you say. But he was, he, the example he used was, you know, tell me how many Republicans, you know, that are, um, you know, pro-choice. Not many. Mm-hmm. That's something yeah. that, that we kind of agree on. Tell me how many uh, you know of that are for gun control. Well, yeah, even less. Many. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, that's something that we all agree on. Kind so of a he, core tenant there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was going over these things. And um, then and then he said, but yet, tell me how many Republican friends you have that were okay with these rules, with these lockdowns, with the, the mask mandate, with the vaccine push, with this, with that. And you're like, you know what? Probably about half. Yeah. Like half of my friends are okay with this, even if they vote the same way as me. Yeah, me too. And I, I can see that in my friend group too. That, yeah. You know, at the beginning, I think we all pretty much were because we were afraid. And- yeah. And you don't, but so the thing that you, but you know, to have some curiosity about it and to look into it yourself and the, the, of course, does this pass the smell test yeah. kind of thing when you dig into it, then you realize, oh, sounds like maybe they had me jacked up on fear so that they could take something from me. Yeah. You know, so that's just, I, I'll leave that there. But, you know. Well, we're easy to control, I guess, when we're afraid. Yeah. But, but and now. And so, you know, now that they know that, mm-hmm. that, you have to understand, or, you know, you have to be willing to understand, willing to see that if they know that's the thing that they can put in front of you mm-hmm. that will shut you up and get you in line and all that, that's what we have to be kind of on the lookout for. And so that's one of the reasons that we want to talk about the origins today. Um, yeah, I think it's important to know 
where it came from. Um, hopefully, so we, if something, heaven forbid, were to happen like this again, then we can we can try to prevent it, try to find out um, how to prevent something like this. Yeah, again. and try to kind of think our way around it because if there if there has been some kind of collusion or corruption or anything like that that has um, aided this uh, this fear campaign mm-hmm. and and caused this to come upon us, you know, we need to be aware of that and you know, not let it happen again. Yeah, definitely. What we all agree on is that is that it came from Wuhan, China. And I think <laughs> yeah. oddly enough, I think that's the only thing that 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 everybody agrees on in this whole thing is about the origins is that it came from Wuhan, China. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning we were told that it came from bats in the wet market in Wuhan. And that was that's it, you know, period, end of story. You're a racist if you believe anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's almost a direct quote from pretty much everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, interestingly enough, coronaviruses are known to come from bats, so that's a uh, possible explanation as to as to why they thought it came from bats. And um, but I read somewhere where there was actually no bats sold at that market at that time. Mm. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And uh, no bats have been found in China. Uh, that could be, um, you know, the progenitor of the virus. Even though they tested fifty thousand bats. And I think something like 1,100 in Wuhan, and they couldn't find any any bats that were that this could have come from. Mm-hmm. Now the uh, Chinese Communist Party also said the virus was spread by the U.S. military, uh, which I always thought was kind of an odd sort of um, sort of an explanation for that. But what I didn't know, and I don't think very many people know, is that every four years there's a uh, the military world games. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like the the Olympics for, for the military. military, and guess where that was held in 2019 in October of 2019, hmm. Wuhan, China. Now, interestingly enough, some of those participants uh, came sick with some flu-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. Whether that was an early version of the um, of the coronavirus, or maybe it was just you know. I know when I travel, then sometimes I get sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could could be one of those kinds of things. Especially um, because it probably was mostly just, you know, your general kind of sickness that yeah, you yeah. can attribute to just about anything. It might not have been a red flag. It, it yeah. might not have been. Uh, now, I know that the, uh, that the U.S. government knew that there was something going on about that time. Um, there was a couple of, couple of people who brought that up to the U.S. government and... The government seemed to know about it already. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like news or anything like that. Well, let, let, and let me get in there because now that I'm um, speaking of that, the government knew this. Mm-hmm. It makes me go back to uh, when we know that Fauci said in 2017 that there would be a surprise outbreak during the Trump administration. Hmm. So he just knew that this was likely to have happened. Um, it, 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 it also happens to be kind of around the same time that there is evidence that you'll get into a a little later about the the possible uh, funding of gain of function research over there. So what do you know? He comes out and says, you know, there might just be a surprise outbreak. So I found this uh, Huffington Post article. I thought, you know, we can all agree on Huffington Post, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he mentions that there's. He's like, uh, there's no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, he said in this speech titled Pandemic Preparedness in the Next Administration. Um, And he delivered this just days before Trump was inaugurated, January 20th, 2017. 
So in this article, Fauci, uh, who oversaw the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and has since 1984, warned that looming health challenges would involve both chronic diseases, ones already ongoing, as well as a surprise outbreak. And the interesting thing about this article to me, though, is that, yeah, we can all agree on the Huffington Post. It's a valid, legitimate source and all of that. But the interesting thing is this article came from April 2020, and instead of it having a little curiosity about, I find it odd that Fauci would have said something like that three years prior. Hey, by the way, Mm -hmm. there's likely to be a surprise outbreak of -hmm. something. To me, that's odd. But instead, the article by the end of it points out that, you know, it's really just inexcusable that Fauci could have had these early warnings and the Trump administration's response uh, w- waited until the middle of March to order vital medical supplies and equipment to fight the virus, despite those warnings about its pandemic potential being made in January. Now, I seem to recall Nancy Pelosi hanging out in Chinatown yeah, saying, yeah, I remember this that too. is perfectly fine. Don't be a racist. To your point about like, you know, you can't say anything bad about it. It's not that China, maybe it's it's just a coincidence that it happened to come from there. That's it. And when Trump shut down international travel yeah, from yeah. some places, all of these things were, people were flipping out about this like mm-hmm. it was the worst thing ever. You know, we had the, the two weeks to flatten the curve already by that time. Right. How can you say that anything was done, uh, you know, uh, inappropriately or, you know, that, that wasn't useful? That, you know, he was acting in our in in our interest with as much data as he had to him available at the time so it's just my point is for me the fact that anthony fauci would have said that in 2017 is odd it could be a coincidence or maybe not I, you know and i'll and i'll i'll, I'll say this one more thing uh, this is a this is from the blaze mm-hmm. um, that glenn beck uh, happened to 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 talk about this i, I actually i saw him on television but this is i know that it's it, it was a blaze article um, but you know so fauci said that in 2017 and the other interesting thing is that we know that Moderna was already partnered up with the, gov- the government to create the mRNA for coronavirus as early as 2015, 2016. So, I mean, like, again, this is not long after. I think it was in 2014 that the Obama administration said, let's not do any more gain of function here. Mm-hmm. It's too mm-hmm. it's too risky. But, you know, the dots are starting to look like they connect to show that Fauci at that time has said, OK, fine, well, we won't do it here anymore. But that doesn't that's not going to stop me from helping China. Yeah, to, just outsource it to yeah, China. We'll see if they can, you know, what they can do. So, you know, these things happened from 2014 to 2017. I find that odd. That's and I, I will I will leave it there. Yeah, it would be <laughs> nice to have some some uh, investigation into that, too, to, to see where they're. Whether one thing led to the next, or it might be a coincidence, but yeah. at least it's a question worth asking. And again, and, and that's what we're here to talk about. Why is it that we're not allowed to discuss these things? How yeah. come you're immediately shut down if you say anything about it? That doesn't doesn't sit right with me. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sit right with me either. Uh, but yeah, like I say, the the un, undisputed fact is is that we all agree that it came from Wuhan, and we can actually more or less prove that based on the spike in death certificates in mid-January once it started to to, um, uh, to spread. Now, there is, in a normal pandemic, let's say there'd be a, a patient zero, the, the origin of all the, uh, the spread. 
We don't really have that on this one. There's one person, uh, Wei Guxian, who is a shrimp vendor at the Wuhan market, and she felt symptoms on December 10th, uh, kind of just didn't feel all that great, and she was uh, more or less officially diagnosed with what we call covid um, around Christmas time of 2019, so a few weeks later, she's more or less considered patient zero. Um, her family, friends, coworkers got infected. Uh, an interesting way to look at the Wuhan market is that maybe it might not be the origin, but it might have been a super spreader event that where people who were infected went there, they bought stuff, they spread it around to the mm-hmm. uh, to the vendors. Uh, mm-hmm. To all the all the other customers, and we do know that China has a pretty strict health surveillance situation in their country, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is another thing that Fauci has said we all need across the globe this massive surveillance system. So, uh, yeah, we see that you're putting that in place. Got it. Yeah. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah. So I can see where they would have, you know, because I know that they were able to end their pandemic so soon in part because they they knew exactly where it went and what happened and all of that and. You know, exactly. Sequestered these people and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sequestering also meaning welding them to, into their apartments and, yeah. and shutting down. So yeah, and there's a whole other argument yeah. there about about the um, the mm-hmm. cost benefit ratio, like you were talking about about the the mandates and the lockdowns and everything versus the um, the end outcome. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other whole other discussion. We can bring in Australia and New Zealand and Austria and Germany and. Yeah, we're and, never uh, going to be over this topic. I can <laughs> <no>. see it now. <laughs> As more data comes out. Uh, so there was an investigation into the origins here. Uh, that was more or less headed up by Peter Daszak. Um, you might have heard of him, probably seen him on TV. He was more or less the the face and the voice of, of this investigation. Um, a member of the Lancet Commission, uh, which was backed by the UN and the, and the World Health Organization's. Um, but, um, he was, he was, uh, Anthony Fauci's buddy there, uh, basically funneling money from the NIH into Wuhan. I think they, they said like $3.4 million of NIH money went to Wuhan mm-hmm. to study coronaviruses, uh, which it. is, um, which is interesting. Uh, that's a major conflict. So he was eventually removed, uh, from that commission because there was just so much of a conflict of interest there. Um, he was uh, always a an ardent opponent of um, you know coming from a, anything other than a, um, than a natural occurrence. origin. Yeah, yeah. The Wuhan Institute of Virology um, also had a 2018 proposal for inserting a novel furin cleavage site into a spike protein that allows a coronavirus to latch onto the host cell and open the door of the host. Hmm. Which coincidentally, that's kind of like what you were talking about, where uh, where somebody says, "Hey, there's going to be an outbreak," and and sure enough, there is one. Yeah. Uh, there's a um, a researcher, um, uh, Dr. Chen, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a great quote um, that said that um, that it's like you create a proposal that say you're going to put horns on a horse, and then two years later, a unicorn shows up mm-hmm. in the very city where they're doing this research. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Where did this unicorn come from? Yeah, yeah. I wonder. It could could it be traced back to this proposal we had about two years yeah. ago? I don't know. That's the funny. That that's the thing that is is the, is the most disconcerting about so much of this because the, they they're telling you what they're gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. We have to start listening to them when they tell us. Yes. These horrible things <laughs> that they're really gonna do. You know. Yeah. 
So they uh, also with this investigation, they took samples from the animals um, at the wet market, uh, but they found that that the viruses they got from them were too distant to be the source. Uh, interestingly enough, some of the later samples that they took actually found that it was closer to to the origin. So that was that was kind of unusual. Uh, there was also a database that the Wuhan Institute of Virology had of about 22,000 coronavirus records, because that's what they study there is coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. And that was taken down on September 12th, 2019, hmm. just kind of just kind of mysteriously, you know, not available anymore. Hmm. And that was before anybody was alerted to uh, to this virus. And there was another smaller data set that was deleted uh, the CCP said that was just a technical error um, when they uploaded some study data. Um, but somebody recovered uh, some data from the Google Cloud, and that indicates uh, the first samples were not closely related to mm-hmm. COVID, like I say, with the, um, uh, with the samples taken from the animals. They've actually come up with two different paths, uh, two different ideas as to where this, where this came from, and it's the it's a natural origin and the lab leak theory. Mm-hmm. Like I say earlier, you couldn't talk about the lab leak theory. Now yeah. it's pretty much mainstream that, that it's, it's at least a possibility. We're at least talking about it. But uh, we're pretty much also agreed that it's not a bioweapon um, just because it's too difficult to do that in secret and come up with something like this. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not a bioweapon. Probably not. Which but really means, I mean, and, and, and what is what does that really mean? That it, it, it Does it have to be of some malicious intent to be super deadly to be considered a bioweapon? Or at least released on purpose. Um, the military was also, the Chinese military, that is, was also uh, somehow involved in with the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology, they they were working there. So, mm-hmm. so we don't know. That's another that's another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, most people agree that it's probably not a bioweapon. Okay. Uh, but don't know. There's nothing. There's nothing definite that says that it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, like, what what classifies something as a bioweapon? It's got to be intentionally released. Yeah. Okay. And probably by the military. Okay. Uh, now there's there's treaties in place that say you're not supposed to release bioweapons and you're not supposed to create bioweapons. Whether they were doing that, whether they weren't, don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point that you were talking about earlier with some, uh, uh, some involvement with Fauci, there were some scientists um, early on who were saying that this is probably a lab leak. Mm-hmm. It seemed more likely that it was a lab leak than a um, than a natural origin. Um, they were going back and forth. Fauci was involved in these emails. This comes from the Fauci email uh, dump of uh, probably a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about that because that could be a whole nother episode we could talk about yeah. with all the data that's in there. But what happened pretty much was the scientists were talking with Fauci, with his boss, Collins, then there was kind of a uh, a break, uh, keeping in mind the scientists were were adamant that this is most likely a lab leak. Then after a couple of days, um, uh, Collins's point he was advocating that it was a natural origin. Um, after a couple of days, then the uh, the scientists came out in the Lancet with a statement that it is definitely of natural origin definitely not a lab leak. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of odd that all the scientists would change their theory to Collins's theory within a couple of days and then put out a statement. Yeah. How can, what can we do to, uh, to, uh, 
stop this conspiracy, yes, as he called it. But that's that's not what it is, and, I, and I'm so tired of that word being used <laughs> yes. in this manner. It is it is overused in this manner. Yeah. Well, they say the only difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is six months. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you've got it. I, I, I'm looking through your notes and everything here, but you know, you recall the um, the, the the whistleblower Dr. Yan. Who came mm-hmm. forward pretty early on, incredibly courageous woman to have, you know, come forward and said, you need to understand that the Chinese Communist Party is going to do everything they can to keep this under wraps. And I'm here to tell you that, you know, the following things are suspicious, you yep. know, I mean, amazingly courageous woman to have come out like that. And, you know, I, I it's just it's such a shame because people, people there understand the danger of this regime and understand yes. how how terrible they are and we don't we, we so many americans are just turning a blind eye to this and it, this is a real threat in my opinion oh, you know definitely. you know i mean yes yeah, it really isn't even an opinion really yeah, i mean for a- the, the fact that nancy pelosi just came out the other day and said be careful while you're over there because they're ruthless yeah they <laughs> <Yes>. are <laughs> you know by the way we're going to still have the olympics though even though they pretty much uh, disrupted the entire world and yep. they are not accountable for it in any stretch. No, nope, so, no, nope, nope. But anyhow, no, we're going to go over there and have a good yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, director of national intelligence uh, also had a study um, that uh, that they came out with as well uh, with the National Intelligence Council that says it's impossible to tell whether this is genetically engineered because uh, some genetic engineering techniques can make modifications to um, uh, to make the origins difficult to identify and we also have gaps in our in our uh, coronavirus knowledge uh, ultimately their um, their report was inconclusive you know like many mm-hmm. what do you know yeah um, but then you know that that's another part of the the, the problem here that we we're, we're also trying so hard to get an, a, a real study to be done and yes. to conclude something. And, you know, the more time goes on, the more I'm, I'm I don't know, is this going to, I would assume it just gets more and more difficult. Um, yeah. That's part of the issue is, is the, the evidence trails go cold. You know, obviously you can't go back and test all the animals that were there at the wet market, you know, for the duration of, of time before this came out. So, yeah. so that evidence is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why, I mean, for me, it kind of comes down to being able to trace who said what, when, and who was involved in this and that and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. logic, common sense, you know. Yeah, that's, um, that's what uh, a lot of these studies have been trying to focus mm-hmm. on. And the, um, the Intelligence Council members, um, also, we're looking at the two main ideas that this was a natural origin or a lab leak theory. And for the zoonotic origin or the natural origin, uh, they say that that um, with low confidence that it was a zoonotic origin, which jumps from bats to humans, there might be a step in between. Now, the evidence they found in favor of that, um, obviously all the evidence is circumstantial, but they say that it's happened before, and there's about 400,000 people a year who get coronaviruses from bats. Hmm. Uh, now, these are, you know, it could be researchers, it could be farmers out near these bat caves that are harvesting the guano, and they go in there and they might get some viruses. They take the guano out and, you know, spread it on their field for, for fertilizer. There's a uh, virus out there that's known uh, called the RATG13 virus, mm-hmm. and that is 96.2% similar to COVID-19. So it's possible that that could be the origin. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they also say that the more people would come into contact with bats in nature than bats in a lab. Uh, because there's, like I say, there's farmers out there, there's researchers, there's ordinary people who might get this. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there's been no species, any um, species, you know, intermediate or, or, or the origin that has been definitely identified. And there's no other evidence of an intermediate species in the virus, which is very unusual because what that means is that the the virus would have to come from bats, be perfectly engineered to infect people like right away, mm-hmm. and and normally there'd be an, an intermediate step, and you could see that in the in the genetic code of the virus that mm-hmm. you know if it went to pigs, then you could see that there'd be the ability to infect pigs in there before it jumped to humans. Yeah, and there's none of that and, in and the virus, which is exactly what the first group of um, NIAID researchers mm-hmm. and, and folks that's what they were saying when they're when they were saying we're looking at this code. And nothing in it to us looks like it is it is naturally occurring. Right, to your exactly. Point. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Th- that, that's exactly what they were looking at. Now, they also looked at the possibility that it was a lab leak, and they say with moderate confidence that it could have been a lab leak. And the evidence they have for that is that the outbreak was in the very city where the Wuhan Institute of Virology was studying this very thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a proximal, mm-hmm. uh, proximal origin. Uh, they say the workers at the WIV work with uh, animals uh, that have um, or that can transmit close relatives of, mm-hmm. of the virus. And they also say that uh, that the uh, Institute was lacking good safety protocols. In, in fact, I feel like I recall either that there was some kind of uh, threat of losing some funding or that they had to shut down once before mm-hmm. due to uh, being found out with some pretty bad safety protocols. Yeah. 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 I've heard that. um that the lab where this is supposed to be conducted is a level four lab. You probably saw, um, you know, the bat lady, Dr. Scher, mm-hmm. who was in the kind of a bubble suit and everything mm-hmm. with an air supply and everything. But I've also heard that, uh, that some of this research was done in a, in a level two lab, which is kind of like a dentist's office where mm-hmm. you got, you know, like a mask and gloves and that sort of a thing. Yeah. And, it was much different. Yeah. Much yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that, you know, two really tacking on to that, the fact that there's no intermediate, species or, mm-hmm. or any kind of tie-in that it is suspiciously efficient at targeting humans. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the virus... Suspiciously efficient. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. the virus was was uh, was engineered to uh, to attack humans and, and to be as efficient as possible at, at getting in there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Now, the WHO found that the lab workers are healthy and have no antibodies, which would indicate that they've never, never been exposed. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like I say, Peter Daszak is a vocal opponent of the lab leak theory. Mm-hmm. So, basically, these two things together mean, boop, yep. nothing to see here. Nothing That's to not see where here. where it came from. Yep, yep okay. absolutely. Well, thank now the, you very much. Who? Yeah, now the U.S. officials uh, knew of sick employees as late as as uh, late 2019 mm-hmm. uh so so it could be that they had they had some of them in there uh now the who obviously concluded that it was extremely likely that it was zoonotic origins uh, but many questioned that uh conclusion mm-hmm. not the least because peter daszak was uh, was the face of this um uh, there was uh, close cooperation between the WHO and China. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, CCP actually had people accompanying the WHO investigators. I'm sure sometimes, that was very comfortable. Oh, I'm sure it was. You know, sometimes dozens of them mm-hmm, in there, mm-hmm. and uh, so the WHO people would go into uh, 
uh, go in to talk to the scientists and say, hey, scientists, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. did you do this? Was, was, was this a lab leak? And, yeah. um, and the, the scientists would be there. And then across the room, there'd be the WHO investigators with a couple dozen people from the CCP. Mm-hmm. And what are the scientists going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. We'll do better next yeah, time. Here's my, you know, let me write down my address that you can show up and go kill my family. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. So, so yeah. obviously the scientists said, no, no, we had nothing to do and, with and this. You know, that's another thing, like to tie it into a, a current real event. I, people may have seen with, with the Olympics and everything over there, you know, didn't you see uh, the there was a particular reporter? Um, can't remember his uh, uh, the network that he was with, but mm-hmm. he, he's giving this report just on on a, on a roadside in in Beijing. What we know with the Olympics going on, a guy with his CCP armband on just gets in front of the camera and takes the reporter and starts just shoving him away. Really? I don't know what he was talking about even because, you know, that. but whatever it was, this guy didn't like it. Wow. And he just starts ushering him off, right? I mean, so this is for all to see. Yep. Live television we're talking about. This report has been stopped by this <sighs> random CCP worker that's uh, that's that's what he's doing. Uh, so, wow. you know, the, the the reason I bring that up here is just to say if you know that stuff like that happens, then apply that to this particular case mm-hmm. of the fact that, you know, what was going on in that lab? How can we trust what these what the folks are really telling us? We we know that there have been a couple of like I said, very courageous whistleblowers who have come out. Um one of them died, you know, uh, and and then yeah. you know some of them of course, you know, just disappear. But so just take it with a grain of salt <laughs> yes. to some extent that, you know, if, if the, if the, you know, um, the virologist is going to sit there and say, yes, we practice the utmost safety standards. Of course, there's no possible way that that could have happened. No, you know, and yeah. you know, the, yet there's 12 people. It, it's, it's like the happy Gilmore scene with the orderly, you know, the old woman. Oh, I thought you liked it here, grandma. You know, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty much like what it was, yeah. I imagine. Uh, but they but they only spent three hours at the at the WIV uh, the the WHO investigator. So mm-hmm. what's you know, the point? Why so not? What's the I point? mean, why yeah. do why do hang out there? They, yeah, you know, exactly. It's, gonna, yeah. it's just kind of like uh, going in. Well, nothing to see here, yeah. so they left. Uh, and and it's admitted that it was much a diplomatic endeavor as a scientific expedition anyway. So you can only you know, take that as a grain of salt. You know, mm-hmm. if you go in there and say that it was definitely a lab leak and China's totally to blame, then that's that's not really a diplomatic uh, way to go about it. Yeah. But in order to get a definite answer, we're going to need China's cooperation, which is going to be very difficult. Um, unfortunately, everything is circum- circumstantial uh, without Chinese support. Like I say, all the stuff I've been talking about, it's all circumstantial. There's there's really not not much hard evidence out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and China is not 100% cooperative. They limited access to the WHO, and they still blame the U.S. and other extremely unlikely sources. Mm-hmm. Now, their favorite theory is that it came from abroad on a shipment of frozen food. There was a study that says, you know, you can put the virus on something frozen and keep it there. And then after a certain period of time, then you can unfreeze it and it comes back to life. But it's highly unlikely. That's a highly unlikely thing. And and the CCP favors that because it allows them to blame somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they also say, you know, there's no need to look any further. Um, no need to do an audit. No need to do any kind of more investigating. Uh, because uh, we, the CCP, have already done all that. And it would just be 
it would be redundant and uh, and you know, just a complete yeah. waste of time. Yeah. So there. Yeah. And and, and that's pretty okay much where that. it is. Yeah, I, I, that, that that's just nuts. Yeah. And you know, it 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 worries me. I don't think that it is appropriate that when this is, you know, brought up um, in front of the Senate and anybody is questioned about their involvement or what mm-hmm. they know or pushing the pushing the CCP on it, understanding how we may have been involved or complicit if yeah. in fact we were uh, providing any funding for it. I mean, I can, I, I, I'm not here to come up with anything and I don't want everyone, you know, yelling at me about spewing lies or misinformation and all that. But, you know, if, if there is chance that we were involved in some way because we provided the funding for this, then I can certainly understand why yes. we're not going to look into it, why there are the people who are involved in it are making such an effort to, to simply talk about how stupid Rand Paul is, for instance. Right, right, And, right. You, know, I, you know, all of this different and, and, you know, we're all just conspiracy theorists and all that, but it's just... Too many of the things that were said kind of early on have materialized to have a good, fair amount of truth. And for yep. that reason, you'd think that we should keep digging into it a little bit more. And, you know, to bring it back to what we're trying to accomplish by even talking about this and hoping that we don't, that, that we get, get a few friends who might not be aware of stuff like this and, you know, have no idea how people on the other side think about this stuff. It's exactly that. I mean, I think it's important that when we do vote next, we care about putting people in there who are going to ask these tough questions, force some accountability on this, and and get to the bottom of it. Because it's absolutely nuts that we're, you know... I just don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've learned so much over the past two years, but at, at the same time, we're pretending we know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's kind of a frustration for me. We, there's so much yet that we need to know about this. Yeah. Hopefully so that we, we don't go through this again. Right, exactly. There's a really good documentary out there as well. You can find it on YouTube. Um, it's from Sky News Australia. Uh, Sherry Markson has a has a really good documentary on that. It's about an hour long, so I, I recommend that. It's called What Really Happened in Wuhan. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's based on, on our book of the same name. Um, it's kind of a, a summary of what uh, what we've been talking about here today. And there's so much more information out there. It's really, it's really amazing and striking. And I, I do hope that you know, we've got political leadership that is willing to keep pushing on this. I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah, I agree. And so, you know, next episode, we'll either, we'll, we'll, we'll get into, hopefully we can put this behind us for a little while, but we might go talking into how it feeds into the corruption of the leading class, um, or, or maybe a little bit of the, the Great Reset, which I know is a topic that uh, makes people really comfortable. But we'll, we'll see where we go next. Well, that's it. why we're here. Till next time. Till next time.